Father God, would you please speak to us now through your word. Touch our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, looking at that gospel reading, Matthew 10, 24 to 39. It's a passage about courage and hope and not being afraid in the face of opposition. And apologies, I got told off by Alison because it doesn't have any jokes in it. Apart from possibly one joke, which you probably have to look quite hard to get. Jesus has sent out the 12 disciples to preach the kingdom of God and to do kingdom of God stuff. But he warns them that it will not be easy. They will suffer rejection and persecution and opposition because they are associated with him. People will think they've betrayed their families, their communities, their religion. They will hate them, say all kinds of untrue things about them, and even want them dead. And Jesus, in these verses, give them and us six reasons not to give in to fear. Six reasons for hope in the face of persecution. And by the way, don't worry when I say there are six things, because <laughs> uh, they are fairly short six points. Firstly, we are not on our own. Jesus says, if they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? When we experience hostility, we're only experiencing what Jesus experienced. Uh, I mean, if they called him and said that he was doing the devil's work, that is what it means when they talk about him doing the work of Beelzebul. Since we are part of his household, they will certainly speak evil of us. Secondly, the truth will be revealed. Nothing is uncovered that will not be uncovered. That's verse 26. I'm really going through this passage that we have and you should have on your sheets. The truth will be revealed about the gospel, about secrets and plots, about our hearts and our motives. People have said dreadful things about the followers of Jesus over the last 2,000 years. They've accused them of, among other things, cannibalism because of communion, eating and drinking the body and the blood. They've accused them of atheism because they rejected the pantheon of the Roman gods. They've accused them of being enemies of the people. That was the Soviet accusation against many believers. Been accused of being driven by homophobia, of being intolerant and socially divisive. And that's at a general level. But at the individual level, people have been set up and their words have been twisted just as happened when Jesus stood before the council and they accused him of uh, wanting to physically destroy the temple. And people have been publicly shamed, accused of the worst crimes, of spying, of fraud, of whatever. And often it's just not true. Listen says Jesus to those of his followers who are falsely accused. Hold on, 
because one day when the kingdom comes in its fullness, the truth will be revealed. Thirdly, there is more to life than the body. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. That's verse 28. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to you, even an unpleasant, nasty death. Because physical death does not destroy your existence or your being. Our bodies matter and will matter eternally. But what is quite clear from these verses is that this side of death, our souls matter more. That is why people have been prepared to suffer, to be martyred for their faith. From the days of Stephen, the first martyr, to the persecutions of Nero, when Christians were set on fire to be human torches for the entertainment of guests, to the Diocletian persecutions, through to the suffering of hundreds of thousands of believers in this country, or, or, uh, or to the present day sufferings of Christians or others associated with Jesus the Nazarene by extreme uh, Islamism. Women and men have been able to stand firm because they know that in the end we are more than just body. I've literally came across a, a passage about this yesterday. I'm reading a book called To Catch a King by Earl Charles Spencer, who tells the story of the escape of Prince Charles uh, from the British Isles when he was probably the most, when he was the most wanted man in the land. And he tells of John Gerard, a Jesuit priest who lived in the Elizabethan era at a time when Roman Catholics were accused of treason. He was arrested, taken to the Tower of London, and brutally, brutally tortured to make him reveal the names of other priests. But he managed to escape, and when he arrived on the continent, he wrote about his experience of torture. Uh, and he writes this, and it just so dovetailed with what I've just said. He writes, Seeing my agony and the struggle going on in my mind, he, that is God, gave me this most merciful thought. The utmost and worst they can do is to kill you, and you have often wanted to give your life for your Lord God. The Lord God sees all you are enduring. He can do all things. You are in God's keeping. Fourthly, God is in control. Verse 29, not a sparrow will fall to the ground apart from your father. God knows. He sees what is happening, and it's not happening apart from him. And you matter to him. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Now, for some of us, that may be an easier job for him to do than for others. But you are precious to him. So although for a believer who is going through a time of persecution, it may seem that God does not exist or that he has abandoned us, it is not true. We hold on to the hope that God is in control and that he loves us and one day we will see it. 
Job in the Old Testament was someone who, because he was a righteous person, went through terrible suffering. And in the darkness and pain and despair, he suddenly cries out, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh I will see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eye shall behold, and not another. Fifthly, Jesus will acknowledge us before his Father. Verse 32, everyone therefore who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Look, Jesus says to his followers, you may be shamed in front of your families, ridiculed in the presence of political leaders, treated as a joke, humiliated in death before thousands, but in comparison to what I am going to do for you, it is nothing because I will acknowledge you in the presence of my Father. I will say, Father, this one is mine. And because she is mine, she is also yours. And what about that other bit in this verse? Whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Isn't that a bit scary? I doubt that there is not one person here who has not at some point denied Christ before others in either words or actions. What of us? Well, look at Simon Peter. He is the first leader of the church and yet he denied Jesus in front of others. But Jesus continued to love him and Peter came back, he said sorry, he was given, actually he didn't even say sorry, he just comes back and Jesus welcomes him. He was given a new task and even though there were other times when he gave in to the fear of what others would say, look at Galatians 2.12, in the end he was crucified, willing to be crucified for Jesus. If you have denied Jesus, if you are denying Jesus now in front of someone, not admitting to be a follower out of fear for what they might say, come back to him today, ask his forgiveness, and ask for his strength to declare what is true, even if it brings grief and physical pain. Declare you are a follower of the Lord Jesus and that he is Lord, and he will acknowledge you before his Father in heaven. And sixthly, Jesus is central. Our relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship that we have. It comes before our relationship with family and could potentially tear a family apart if other members of the family cannot accept our Christian commitment and mock us and decide to reject us, exclude us for our decision to follow Jesus. Of course we pray that will not happen. And one of the things that Jesus and the first Christians insist on is that Christians support their families and that as a result of putting Jesus first, you'll be a far better husband, wife, parent, child, son or daughter. When we read the Desert Fathers, we read of some who decided to become monks and they walk out on their families, on their wives, and their children, and they cut off their parents. That 
is not an example of what it means to be faithful to Christ. But our relationship with Jesus is more important than our relationship with our family, than our physical well-being, or even than our life. We can have everything that this world offers, wealth, fame, popularity, beauty, and power, but if we do not know Christ, then we are dead. Jesus said, those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. This wasn't some abstract theory. He was speaking to 12 people. One of them betrayed him. One of them ended his life living in exile. Ten of them, according to tradition, were martyred for their faith. I thank God... I thank God that we live at a time and in a place where we can freely confess Jesus. It is amazing how God turns things around. In this country, in this city, from 1917 to the 1980s, hundreds of thousands of people suffered persecution, whether shaming, economic deprivation, imprisonment, torture, or execution. Execution by means of being hung, strangled, drowned, buried alive, or shot. Because they put their faith in Christ. And it was their courage in the face of persecution and their faithful witness to Christ which has been one of the key inspirations in my own Christian life and one of the things that has drawn me to this land and the people of this land. And yet, today, there is probably more freedom to preach Christ here than there is in many other countries. People still do God here. And there is an assumption that faith in Christ can bring unity, even between people of different faiths, and that faith in Christ builds up rather than pulls down the social good and I give thanks for that but but wherever we live and at whatever time we live there will always be times when we do face mockery or false accusations or rejections because we preach Christ and those are the times when we need to hold on to courage and hope and those are the times when we are not to be afraid. Father God, give us the courage to preach Jesus, to live for the kingdom of God. Amen. We stand to confess that faith in the words of the Nicene Creed at section 5.